And welcome back to Fully Equip. Jonathan Wall here from Golf.com. Joined as always by Andrew Tursky from Golf.com and True Specs Chris McCormick. And we have a special guest this week. What's happening, Producer fellas? Mark. What's going on, guys? What's up? We're going to be talking about that near-death experience from Producer Mark. What a story. <laughs> stop, stop. We're going to – I wanted to tease it a little bit, Tursky. That Jeez. was kind of a tease. There, I was going to say, there is a reason why Producer Mark is on the pod this week. He did have a near-death experience. I cannot wait to talk about this. So, I mean, okay, last week was a busy week for all of us. Um, Tursky and Producer Mark were both in Tahoe for the American Century. If you don't follow Fully Equipped on social media, especially Instagram, we're at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram. I mean, that was a bad week to not be following us. Uh, there was a lot of good content. Tursky. You're pounding the pavement. You did a good job. You get an A plus. Thank you. I appreciate that. And everyone's alive right now. Most importantly, most most importantly, yes, everybody is alive. Um, so Tursky, first and foremost, we got into it a little bit last week when you were with your beautiful view. I said a couple of choice words. I would say them again, but I'll just I won't say it. Well, you say them to Chris this time. Yeah, the tides have turned. Chris is out in uh, Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Chris, well, we're, we're going to talk about that too. Chris Chris is in paradise. He's on vacation, and somehow he's reporting live from Hawaii. I'm, I'm on Maui. Chris, it's, it's 8 a.m. I, I still we think don't, we don't have any activities here. going on until later in the day. I wanted to check in with you guys. Now it's This is this is my weekly thing. i gotta got to stick to some type of routine. I'm a workaholic if I'm not doing something. What do you got planned out there? We appreciate it, Chris. What do you got planned uh, out I mean, there? If you, if you want to get into Sky it a little diving? bit, we've What's got uh, we've got some some snorkeling trips. We got some scuba diving. We got some helicopter tours. We got uh, uh, no no big deal. We got a uh, a really cool kayaking no trip through some lava tubes that's uh, going to be happening next week. So I'll I'll have pictures for you guys. And, and by next week, yeah, he means next, he's going to be there. Next week, until on the next 21st, week. that is my birthday. <laughs> For two I weeks. I will not be on the pod. Uh, I will be absolutely enjoying Hawaii. And uh, work is going to be the furthest thing from my mind next Wednesday. That's it. We're, we're already a few Mai Tais. Getting a couple Mai Tais going. I know. Getting amongst the Mai Tais. <laughs> Getting amongst it's it is a kid's thing. Here. It's a yeah. thing. Oh my goodness. Well, if anybody deserves a break, it's you. I still, like I said, I still think you're crazy for jumping on the pod today, but we do appreciate you taking the time to join our fair pod as we do every week. Next week's going to be a big one. We'll talk about it a little bit before we, uh, we sign off for, for 99 episode 100. Hundo. I've been teasing the interview. It's a biggie. Alice Cooper. It's uh, it's one you're definitely not going to want to miss, but Tursky, let's get back to Tahoe. What was the experience like getting to hang with the pros and the celebs? So, yeah, the, uh, the second day we brought the Foresight GC quad out to the long drive hole, number 16, the, uh, the Corbell Champagne-sponsored uh, 16th long drive hole. It was pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, plug, Tursky plug. Shout out, Timmy B. Yeah, shout out, Timmy B, uh, hooking up the Foresight GC quad. So as every group came in, me and DJ Lance, uh, 8 a.m. content creator, shout out DJ for the help on that. 
we're dotting up, dotting up all the celebrities, you know, putting the reflective dots on their faces, uh, getting their predictions of what they think their long drive would be. And they step up. The, the vibes were going, honestly. We had the DJ booth there playing absolute jams the entire time, really keeping the energy high. Um, so as group after group came through, you know, you get some guys that they think they're going to hit it 340. They end up hitting it 260. Some guys are, are really nervous. They end up just absolutely crushing the ball. Um, I saw people chirping. Who was sneaky long? Who was sneaky long? Who was sneaky long? Yeah, that you didn't expect to, to be able to, to put it out there. I would say, uh, I mean, I was most surprised by Pat Mahomes. You know, because when you follow along with, with Pat Mahomes, he's not like a super consistent golfer. Like, he's not going to go shoot 66. Obviously, he has some power, hits it all over the face a little bit, a bit over the top, I would say, with his move. But we were, we were talking to him before he teed off. Like, you know, you get two shots, and he looks at us. He's like, I'm only going to need one, bud. And he gets up there and just smashes it, 347 carry. Um, I did see some people chirping us. That's what, that's what young goats do. That is what he does. Uh, people were saying, you know, there's, there's no way the ball flew that far. Like, there's no way. Listen, we had a Foresight GC quad. It's accurate. We're just at 6,000 feet of elevation. So the ball flies about, you know, what, 6 7% least, yeah. farther, Chris? Is that the calculation on that? Is it 1% for every 1,000 feet? So the ball was well, definitely well, the, flying a little bit more, but. And the funniest part in the comments was the guy saying, oh, you juiced the foresight. <laughs> I don't even think Tursky knows how to juice a foresight. Like, that is the most absurd claim I've foresight. ever heard. You can adjust altitude. Can you even you, juice I mean, there's, there's a lot of parameters that you possible. can go in and tweak, but no. that's. So you're saying he should have adjusted for altitude, and he didn't. No, Ooh, I did. You, I did. Oh, you I did. Put it, okay. I put it on auto. There's a there's a barometric pressure gauge in the system, so it was just on, foresight on automatic. <laughs> I think Steph Curry was sneaky long too. He was bringing it like 123 yeah, miles a good per player. hour clubhead speed. Um, he has a pretty smooth swing, but you got to remember these are these are big dudes. You know, Steph Curry's not five ten. You know, he's got a nice I mean, arc and yeah. he's got a. Oh, got she's a not a big dude. Right, Oshie's not wasn't a big guy. Yeah, TJ Oshie, the uh, the hockey player, he was a surprise too because um, he kind of steps up. You could see he has some speed, and he kind of duck hooks the first one. He swipes at the second one. We're like, okay, and he's like, I want to hit a third one for fun. Like, you know, I know it doesn't count for the long drive, but I want to give it a rip. He carries this thing three sixty nine. He dead nuts it and he turns around to turns around to my camera and he's like, I kind of hit that one high in the face. <laughs> I, was like, I thought he was, I thought he was kidding, but then I watched the tape back. I think he was dead serious. Like I think he caught it a little bit high on the face. So he might have even more in the tank than that. Yeah. The NHL stronger. players all those are, wristers. All those are hockey players, sneaky fast, right? but I mean the lower body Hot, stability, the wristers. ability that they have to create separation, they've got some, some sneaky speed and, in a smaller body. Well, Chris, Chris, that leads to a debate I was uh, having out there with a few people is which of the four major sports translates best to golf? My answer, 100%, is hockey. 
you can hockey. argue with me either way, but I'm going hockey 100%. Yeah, it's, In I mean, terms it's hard of natural, to argue. Yeah. I'll, say, I'll say hockey too. <clears throat> Most 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 of the good most of the good players in the American Century, guys that have fared well over the years, have been hockey players I, or I major league agree. pitchers. Major right. league pitchers, right? Well, yeah, because because they play all the time when except for the days <laughs> that they're pitching. I mean, look at look at Smoltz, look at Smoltz, Maddox, and Glavin. Like all those guys are basically scratch, but they played golf for, every, for every freaking day for every major league start. At they least made, they all at least three rounds of golf. I was at a, at a former yeah, resort that I worked at. <laughs> I, the uh, the pitching staff would show up before uh, cool. anybody for spring training, and all of those guys had a standing tea time at like two o'clock in the afternoon every day. Yeah. No surprise there. No surprise there. And Tim Wakefield, he was a low spin guy, as you'd expect. Knuckleballer. <laughs> that's that's a joke. He's a knuckleball, knuckleball. pitcher. I know, I know. That's a terrible <laughs> joke. What was the coolest piece of gear you saw, Tursky? I know, I know Vince, you saw a couple. Vince, Obviously. Vince. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vince, Insanity? Vince's putter. Um, you wrote the story up on Vince's putter. Do you kind of want to talk about the backstory a little bit on that? Well, I mean, you were the guy who interviewed him. I just was riffing off of your, your interview that you had. I mean, it, it's a cool story. It, it, the fact that he doesn't know the guy who did the design. Which and I think it's birdie corn, right? Birdie corn. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So he yeah, reached yeah. he reached out to me on social and okay. said, "Hey, I actually did the design. It's a tad more putter, but he he was the guy who actually did that design." And uh, I was like, "Oh, that's cool, man." I mean, it's for people who who don't know Vince Carter, former NBA basketball star arguably the best dunker in NBA history. I, I don't think any of us are going to debate that. I mean, Jordan was great. Dominique Wilkins, great. Um, there have been some other good ones in there, but, but Vince, I think he's number one on that list. 2000 yeah. NBA dunk contest. Yeah, 2000 NBA dunk contest, probably the best dunk contest ever. I mean, Steve Francis wins any other year yeah. if Vince Carter isn't isn't in the field. Stevie franchise. And and with the Olympics coming up, let's talk about that dunk in the Olympics by Vince Carter, which is well, I was about to say, so, far and away so this the most is, underrated the pre- dunk of all time. Yeah. 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 This is the precursor to the Olympic dunk when he jumps over a seven foot two guy in the Olympics. Casually. So his his four dunks in the dunk contest in two thousand all four of them could have won any dunk contest any year. I mean, they were phenomenal. One of them was was armed through the rim, uh, reverse 360, through the legs. I, I mean, they're just. I went back and watched it after Tursky interviewed him, and it's just still like mind-blowing dunks. So the the guy over Birdie Corn creates a Tadmore putter with all four of those dunks on the toe, and they they look amazing. Like it's it's Vince in the in action on those dunks. And really the Raptors cool. purple too. But and, and I'm glad you shouted yeah, out Birdie Rap- Corn because they came after Turski afterwards and they're like, we're the ones that did this. We're the ones that did this. Shout us out. So Birdie Corn. They came the after credit. me too. Yep. <laughs> you get the credit. Um, but so a lot of people noticed when we posted close-ups, it, I mean, the putter looks worn, but there's a whole bunch of marks on just on the leading edge, kind of leading into the sole. And people are like, man, is like Vince just like totally tearing up his putter? Like, what's the deal? You'd think he'd treat this one with a little bit of respect. So as the story goes, Vince Carter was playing at Eastlake. That's where they play the tour championship. It's it's one of the, the most prestigious courses on the East Coast. 
and his caddy drops the putter during the round, mm. which leads to the ding marks on the leading edge. It was not Vince. It was a caddy at East Lake. I, I think it adds some character to the putter, but I did think that was a pretty funny story. But I was talking to uh, Vince on the tee box about the putter because I was all fired up about this putter. Like every time I saw him, I was like, it's Yo. awesome. And uh, he was like, you know, there's actually two of these putters in existence because when the guy first reached out to him and sent him the putter, I guess it got lost in the mail. And Vince reached back out. He's like, hey, man, I never, never got the putter. So he sent another one to Vince and then they both ended up showing up. So he's got two of these putters. He probably has one that's like in perfect shape. And then he just plays the one that got dropped that he I've played. seen the backup. Yeah. I've seen the backup. It looks pristine, but you're right. He does have two. Um, I probably would have just said the same thing. Hey man, putter didn't show up. Maybe yeah. Right. Even if he did send get me it, another like, one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is, it is a cool story. And the, the putter has a lot of history, but I agree. It was probably the coolest thing. I mean, Tursky, I don't know if you agree, but I, I would say it was probably the coolest thing you probably saw last week. I mean, the second second place was probably A.J. Hawk's fairway wood, quote-unquote fairway wood. He bought this persimmon club for $5 at a garage sale in Columbus, Ohio. And he has like a normal driver. He has a Callaway Epic Speed that he uses off the tee. And he's like, yeah, I use this $5 persimmon driver as my fairway wood, and I play it two to three times around. Wait, so Tursky, I wasn't over by there you the entire time. I was over at Travis Matthew with uh, Drew Stoltz doing some interviews. I thought that was a joke in the caption. He literally said he bought it for $5 at a garage sale. He was not kidding at all. He was not kidding at all. I asked him a couple different times, and he was like, no, seriously, like I play it a couple times around. It's like, all right. That <laughs> is, and, and, and he bombed it. Yes. So for the, for the long drive, we dotted up both of the drivers and we were like, you got to hit both. We got to see what happens. And he tanks his first one. He hits with the, with like his normal driver. He hit it. What? 326 in the air carry. And then we're like, all right, let's see what happens with the persimmon. And he kind of, he duck hooked it, but he had some speed on it. It was like, I think it was above he 300. He has some serious speed. He's got that squatty move. He kind of gets in there and gets out. God, that it. squat, that squatty move. Yeah. He gets like super squatty and then lifts <laughs> up. And I was like, no, nah, man, you're going the opposite way. You need to start up and squat and do do a do a Yako Neiman or, I mean, even Rory a little bit. But yeah, it was it's it's the reverse move. But he still still finds a way to get it done. Pretty impressive. And Justin Tuck was actually pretty sneaky long with his first one. Do we, <laughs> do we want to get into this story let's talk about, or what? Let's talk about Justin Tuck. Producer Mark is shaking his head. He's reliving it again right now. Let's let's talk about it, Mark. Set the stage for Justin Tuck. I know he's one well, of your favorite players. Yeah, and he did some cool stuff afterwards, but this the story he's telling to the other pros is starting to <laughs> – kind of grind my gears that <laughs> grind he, my gears there might be he, some he might somebody might be fibbing a little bit <laughs> he's telling this story and he if he told the real story it would make him look even better because all right first set the stage um so i'm out in tahoe producing this event it's about what turski 13 14 staff members out there so i'm running all over the place i'm at, not at the long drive the whole time i'm not withdrew the whole time i'm sort of going back and forth what happened was is they lobbed dj and turski up and this mic yeah lobbed you know industry term you know lob mic 
but producer uh, talk. Yeah, nobody knows Produ- who that is. Yeah, Mike, yeah, Mike, yeah, Mike yeah. Them Sorry. Up. So I'm not I'm not talking to you guys. I'm talking to the audience here. So mic them up. And uh, one of the mics was having um, <laughs> feedback on it. So I get a text from Tursky, and he's like, "Dude, you gotta come fix DJ's mic." Blah blah blah. And the guy Wyatt, who was a, a great freelancer, we brought out there from Phoenix, uh, did a great job all day. Um, he couldn't figure it out. So me and Ashley Tate who's our uh, golf.com um, believe he's the senior editor from the New York office. And uh, so me and him run out there from the Travis Matthew, just sort of cut across to the, uh, from the 18th tee box to the 16th tee box. And when I get out there, it's like this Notre Dame group coming up and it's freaking Brian Kelly, Joe Buck, who I didn't even recognize. Um, no glasses had on very unassuming, a tall guy who I still don't know who it is, and then Justin Tuck and the group behind them involved CC Sabathia and Shane Victorino, and I mentioned them because they're going to come into play later in this story. <laughs> um, so this is great. So I, uh, Brian Kelly's first up, and my family's huge, huge Notre Dame fan. So I go up in front of him, and I'm filming his swing in slow mo to send to him, take a couple pictures, and also is part of the social push for golf.com. We're all taking as many videos as we can, uploading them to a shared folder. And so I'm basically right in front of Brian Kelly, right in front of Joe Buck, getting these slow-mo swings at a much steeper angle than I ended up for Justin Tuck. But then Justin Tuck comes to the tee. And there was actually a time before he came to the tee that I'm trying to, to get a picture because Tursky's just sitting there shooting the shit with him. Like, almost arm in arm, just having a good old time talking about stuff, looking at his PXG driver, all these things. Right. And so, uh, when Tuck comes up, he's a lefty. lefty. So I have to switch sides and Tuck, according to him, came up to the tee the first time with a two iron. Now that's just not the case. We have, we have video evidence that he came up with driver. And I was talking to him before because he wanted to hit a two iron and I was like, Hey man, it's a long drive contest. Like you got to rip the big stick here. And he was like, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> so there's bloods on your blood on your hands too, Tursky, potentially. You might've had something to do with me. Over almost, time. almost blood. No blood, almost but blood. not quite. Yeah. So I move over to the opposite side and Tuck looks at me and he says, you're a brave man. Sit or like sitting there. And I'm like, as I'm saying, don't worry, Justin, I trust you as this big giant fan. As the words trust come out of my mouth, I look over and Brian Kelly and this other tall guy with a Notre Dame hat on <laughs> are literally waving me back. Yeah, and everyone's like, like, yo, you got to move. They're, they're like, yo, th- this guy, this guy's not the one. He, Justin Tuck <laughs> Which is, is important to this story. It's yeah. important. Brian Kelly saved your life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so they're, they're basically like, he's not the one. And so what I do is I uh, position myself at an angle with the foresight shout out to me B um, that where I can still see the ball in my slow-mo shot, but if he shanks it at all, it is destroying the foresight and I'm going to be safe. That is my mindset. And you can see in the wide video, I jump a little left, I hop back a little right, a little <laughs> left, a little right. I'm like trying to get to this angle. Cause now these guys have scared the crap out of me. Right. They're like, this dude very may well take your head off. So first one goes, boom. Yeah, not a great shot, but down the fairway. So I'm like, relaxed. I'm like, all right, 
It went like 319, I think. He had yeah, I think some, he, I, I he, think had he said it, it I think he said it was like 340 actually uh at the time and we might be lying about that too. It didn't go well, 340. I have the, I have the video. I think it went 319. Well, all right, so I'm sensing you. a trend here from Justin Tuck, but continue. So uh yeah, and so again, with driver not two iron, looks back at Tursky and says the words just getting warmed up. So I'm like, oh, this dude's going to bomb, and I'm pumped. I'm like, this is going to be the swing that goes viral, <laughs> which it did, but for the wrong reason. Um, <laughs> and all of a sudden, I take it, and Pat McAfee, who's, whose show I'm going on in a bit, he said on his Monday episode that that was the athletic feat of the week of me not flinching. I would like to be the man and own that. I did not see that ball for one freaking second. I was going to say, there's no way you saw that ball. I heard a freaking kaboom, and I thought he took a tree branch off. So I looked behind me, and I see the LED board with it out. And if you look at the video from Wyatt's angles, I pop back. I have my shades on, and I have this big smile on my face. <laughs> I just didn't know what to think. I was like, was that close? Was it not? Whatever. And then Brian Kelly and... Joe Buck immediately walked by me and Brian Kelly laughed and he's just like, <laughs> shit, almost died, kid. And just like shrugged and kept going. I'm like, oh no. And then I look over and CC Sabathia and Shane Victorino are losing their minds. And they're like, come over here, come over here. I'm like, okay. Um, he's shaking up at this point. I'm like, he, I'm like, he was trying to show the, uh, the phone video to these guys. Well, 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 no, no. The, the, so the first time I'm going over and I'm getting the video ready and those guys are over my shoulders and I play it for the first time and I see how close it is and it doesn't even register, but my body goes into complete shock, <laughs> complete shock. <laughs> Shane's like, dude, you're shaking. Like I can't see the video. And I'm just like, Oh, too much caffeine, too much caffeine. And Tursky just like intervenes like the gentleman he is and just took the phone out of my hands because he could tell I was absolutely <laughs> losing my shit at that point. Like, and there was a group of like seven people. It's DC Sabathia, Shane Victorino, like all these celebrities trying to huddle around and watch this video. Mark's, Mark's just shaking so bad. And then after we, uh, you got, you got to see the video. It's, it's on fully equipped. It's on our Instagram golf.com posted it on their social. Shocking. You got to see the video. It is. Um, it's insane. The, seeing it from Mark's perspective was wild, but I think it was even more insane to me when you see it from like Tuck's perspective, looking towards Mark, how mm -hmm. close the golf ball came to just well, absolutely braining him. It was, well, I mean, it's, it's mere he, inches. Yeah. Here's yeah, the, here's the time where, uh, Shanked a driver. Yeah. 43-degree uh, push, according to There Florida. it is. Yeah, Tursky jumps in with the numbers here. And when he <laughs> told me the numbers. 43-degree push. And what, 142 no miles kidding. per hour flying at my head? As, as Pat McAfee said, casualty, for sure. <laughs> Unconscious, no doubt. When he saw the – that was his reaction to it. So, so, basically, everyone's in agreement. Six inches to the left. I'm no longer a human being. And you guys are looking for a new producer. Which – we're running low on producers, so unfortunately, that probably Ooh. means the end of the show. Justin Tuck could have killed fully equipped. <laughs> I thought after episode one hundred could have been round, it. After the round was pretty funny too. When well, we were going so, to the when we were going to the bus, Vince Carter dropped a. Well, wait, yeah, wait, Tursky, we got to get the in between there with the golf ball. Okay. So Shane Victorino, 
uh, gave Tuck the ball to hit the second time. And so Tuck picked it up and lobbed it back to Victorino and said, take your ball back. Now, Victorino was a Phillies player, but he is truly a gentleman. Walked over and goes, hey, I got the ball for you. You got to have him sign that at some point. So I, I pocketed it. And I have no intention of seeking out Justin Tuck, but I go on the range after the, the round to get some more content. And our guy, Doug Smith, uh, who is out there for NBC, also a true spec fitter, is talking to CeCe Sabathia, and they wave me over. CeCe's like, dude, you show, show anyone else that video? I'm like, well, it's kind of on uh, fully equipped subpar and my social handles. And uh, he's like, oh, dude. He's like, come with me. And so CC Sabathia walks me over to Vince Carter, Ray Allen, and Justin Buck. And I proceed to play the video for them. This time I'm not shaking. I'm sort of calmed down at this point. But I have Ray Allen on my left, Vince Carter on my right, both sort of arms around me looking at this video, <laughs> just laughing in Justin Buck's face about how bad he is. And I'm, I just, I don't, I don't even know what planet I'm on. At That's an all timer. Yeah. I don't even know what planet I'm on at this point. And Justin's like, well, I still got the ball. I'm like, no dummy. You threw it back to Victorino and he gave it to me and I pull it out. <laughs> I was like, look at these led board marks on the one side. And so they all start losing their shit that I pull the ball out of my pocket. They're like, you got to sign it for him. Luckily there was this nice lady uh, who was producing the NBC show next to us. And she pulls out a Sharpie. Justin Tuck signs it for me. Nice. So I got I got his autograph on the one side. The ball that almost killed producer Mark. Yeah, is I got now his, signed by Justin. I got black his autograph on one side and the black mark from the LED, LED board on the other side. And I say to Justin, I go, um, like I said, I'm a huge Giants fan. Uh, I went to training camp the year after they won the Super Bowl with him on the team, and he signed a ball for me. And uh, but Justin, you know, back in Albany. Uh, was the last time you signed the ball for me. Those were much better circumstances than this. And he goes, he goes, he goes, yo, man, he goes, I'll send you uh, a framed autographed jersey if you delete that video. Like, about that, Justin. Nope. <laughs> Currently going nope. viral. Sorry. Uh, it's going to have It's going about... viral, bud. Sorry yeah, about sorry. that. I think as of today, uh, across social handles and TikTok and all that stuff, it's approaching 2 million views, so. Sorry, did you see how his sorry, shut? Justin. Did you see how shut his driver face was? Oh, did anybody notice that? I didn't notice. No, his driver open. face is completely shut the entire time. So I'm like watching it, and I'm like, "Yep, driver face is still shut, still shut at the top." No, nope, I don't think that face has changed position at all. And it's like it's coming down, and you can just tell. I mean, if you're a golfer, you know if the face is that shut the whole time, pretty good chance you're probably gonna catch it a little bit shanky. Well, and the, and the only reason it was so close... But the close driver's you, pretty impressive. Yeah, if you watch the video, the only reason it was so close is because of the, I guess, the spin and the curve he had on the drive from such a short distance. Um, you can see, watch it back. You can see the ball is literally right next to the foresight from my angle. I am protecting myself. But he put so much spin on it that it still could have got me. It, it's just absolutely insane that he could hit a driver at that speed with that kind of spin off the toe, it almost hit someone. And I might have been, what, Tursky, two feet in front of the tee box at the most? I was almost circumstance. I was almost parallel with him. Almost parallel. The, 
Then access was Mark, like that's some uh, that's some left. Final Destination stuff oh there, buddy. You, you should watch yourself. Well, the the funny part is, is me and DJ were on the flight back uh, to Scottsdale <laughs> on Saturday, and the plane started shaking. And I'm just like, that- well, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna get me one way or the other, aren't they? <laughs> It was great though when we were walking that, back. That to was the, the highlight of the week. The, when we were walking to the bus after the round, Vince Carter's coming out too, and he just looks at Mark. He's like, "Hey, Steph, Steph Curry's looking for you. He wants to see the video." Yeah, it was it was a out. very it was a very surreal moment because Vince Carter's obviously super famous, and he's wearing a gator all week, not to prevent COVID, although I'm sure that is part of it, but really just to disguise himself. Uh, and he comes out with the gator and I hold the door for him and I just give him a pound and I just expect him to keep walking. You know, we had a fun conversation earlier and he stops dead in his tracks and he's, Mark, we've been looking for you. <laughs> I'm like, Mr. Vince Carter, why are you looking for me? <laughs> and he's like, we were telling stuff about the video and we want to see it. And then I say, Hey, it's online, golf.com, everywhere. And uh, I'm at the craps table three hours later uh, with Tursky. Um, we'll, leave, we'll leave all the gambling out of this because, God, what happened was terrible. Um, but Vince retweets. It just got worse for Mark. Almost died. Lost a whole bunch at the craps table. Continue. No, we got kicked off the cra- Well, not kicked off. We left the craps table and then never could get a spot back. So we went to $50 blackjack, which was fun for Tursky, not for me. But, um, yeah, uh, more or less, Vince Carter retweets this thing. And then I start getting DMs from CC Sabathia. And I'm just like, this is almost dying, I guess. You were the, you were cool. the celebrity. You were the celebrity at a star-studded golf tournament. I mean, think well, about it. And the thing is, everybody wanted to be, everybody wanted a piece of producer Mark that day. Everybody. Steph Curry, Vince Carter, Ray Allen. Listen, I went back to the Travis Matthew bus, which by the way, amazing setup that they have out there. Travis Matthew, um, hopeful future sponsor of the pod. Shout out Travis Matthew. Um, They had this crazy setup and we were doing interviews (laughs) with tampering. We were doing (laughs) interviews with Drew and Chase Utley going. Chase Utley comes up there, and Chase Utley's a very unassuming guy in person. I didn't even realize Chase Utley was part of the Notre Dame group. Chase Utley comes up to do his interview with Drew from Subpar, and he literally is – Drew's like, dude, this guy almost died, like just laying it out there. And Chase is like, no, I was up there for that. He's like, no, it was this guy. And Chase Utley looks at me, and then I show him the point of view video, and it was the most – electric reaction you'll ever see from Chase Utley, which is basically <laughs> like, whoa, that's cool. <laughs> but I, 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 I'm, was I, a, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm it just... was an all-timer. Yep. It was It was an all-timer for sure. And here's, um, the, here's my promise. Moment. Here's yeah. my promise to the show and to uh, just anyone that was fans of the video. If golf.com is at the ACC next year and I'm lucky enough to still be with this company and, and uh, producing that content, I will go stand directly in front of Justin Tuck out of nowhere <laughs> on the long drive hole and just get his reaction and see if he realizes it's me. 
because that's going to be another thing that goes viral. It just it just so easily set up. Just walk out dead in front of him this time and be like, no, you won't hit me here because you're going to go. He's never hitting driver again in his life. Like he no. already only opted want, for the two iron. He wanted before. to hit two iron or so he says. Mark just turned in. I think it might be. <laughs> that's why. I think Park, I made him hit That's driver. what just happened. <laughs> I just Charles, Bar- Charles Barkley touched golf career. That is correct. <laughs> He'll never be the same again. Well, needless to say, it was an all-timer in Tahoe. A lot going on. Producer Mark almost died. Tursky got a lot of great content. Like I said, you can see it all on social media. Tursky did a great rundown on all the gear that he uh, shot when he was at Tahoe. But I think it's a good time to transition into a new topic. Did you know there's a major going on this week? I mean, we, we probably could have let off of that, but but producer Mark almost dying is, is a way bigger story in my opinion. But the 149th Open Championship is being played this week at Royal St. George's. A little bit of history on Royal St. George's. It's the first Open Championship venue outside of Scotland to host the tournament. And you actually need a... Handicap index of 18.4 if you want to play there. I kind of like that rule for some of these courses. I mean, you just don't want a whole bunch of hacks showing up. What, what, do, you, what do you think about that one? I like that rule. I think a lot of the, uh, the top-notch golf courses have that. I know Beth Page, you have to have like a 12. Um, I think the old course has a, has a rule out there too that you have to prove you're a certain yep. handicap to even get a tee time. 18.4 is actually pretty high, so – think the 16 handicaps should be should be happy with that rule yeah this this is a golf course that that some guys have likened to playing on the moon it's pockmarked all over the place you can get some wild bounces um i think it's going to be a fun one they've gotten a lot of rain like record rainfall this year so i don't think we're going to see the the baked out open championship setup that we're used to seeing but there are some changes that we're gonna we're gonna see for guys. Uh, we'll get into those in a minute. But first off, picks. Who are you guys taking? Oh man, I Chris, you want to start us off? You're gonna have to come back to me. I uh, now we Chris. Guys have withdrawn. I I have to look at the field. I have been far removed from the the open thus far. Had a couple things going on. I'm gonna jump. I, I'm going to jump in then before you guys can do it. I'm calling back-to-back. First time in a long time, U.S. Open to Open Champion. Back-to-backers. Jonathan Rombo Rom. Ooh. Okay. Really going down on a limb there. All right. Yeah, I was about to say. Big cojones with that one. I I followed Tursky with Zalatoris last time, and I think that I deserve to be start playing things safe in my life. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> all right so producer marks taking rombo tursky who do you got i am already on the record on golf.com as picking dustin johnson last time the open or the british open we can get into that argument later if we want i don't Let's mind not, i don't please. mind staying away no. from it though no um, no please <clears throat> the last time the open was at royal st george's dustin finished t2 so he's got some good memories here uh, Royal St. George's is kind of a crapshoot. There's a lot of blind shots, get weird bounces out there. Um, I think Dustin's mentally equipped to handle some of those tough bounces and just keep firing, hitting good shots. 
as always, it kind of depends on his flat stick, but I think the greens are a little bit slower than usual. Um, I don't know what put, what putter Dustin's actually going to use, but hopefully he we gets never know. So don't, he gets even, don't even try. He doesn't know either. So yeah, I'm going Dustin. <laughs> he doesn't Johnson. know either. That's true. Yeah, I like DJ. I'm going to take uh, Justin Thomas. Feel like it's time for JT to win a second major. He's he's not a guy that's going to end his career with just one. He's gone 26 holes without a bogey. Played in the Scottish last week, so he's adjusted to the time change. Um, I, I really like JT this week. Change putters. We can probably talk a little bit about that when we discuss gear changes. But yeah, JT, I think he's he's due. Kind of quietly like hanging there. I mean, he's he's definitely not a dark horse by any means. I think he's like fourth or fifth in terms of of odds. But yeah, there doesn't seem to hold, be a whole lot of JT talk this week, so I like him. You're not held up by the uh, the top shot that he hit with the fairway wood last week. <clears throat> it's 26 holes without a bogey, baby. I like it. All right. Fair enough. All right. Clean so golf. what do you guys feel Keep about going. Shane Chris, Lowry? Chris, you get your research in yet? Wait. Mm. What do you, what do you back think? To back, back to back opens. That's a tall we, task, We got man. two back to back picks this. Go for it. I mean, you never Why know. Not? You never Live know. dangerously. It's not in Could Ireland, be. though, so I Could feel be. like the magic might be a little bit gone. That's this is true. I I but I'm not like making it. your picks I'm gonna for take you. Lowry. All right, he's locked. He's locked and rubbed on Larry. All right, so we got our picks in. Gear changes. You know, we're gonna see a lot of the standard stuff. Um, Dustin Johnson is Tercy's pick. It's one guy. Looks like he's gonna be putting in. I would say he probably will putting in a, a new UDI. So. TaylorMade posted some spy photos, and if you zoom in, you can see it's an updated version of the P790. DJ has a graphite shaft. It's Some people were wondering what it was. It's just the same standard Project X hazardous black that he's used in his utility club for a good while now. So it looks like he's going to have that in play, but everybody's excited because if Dustin has a new P790, that means that the new P790 probably isn't that far away. So... That's probably one of the, the bigger gear changes for the week. Um, other ones that I think are worth pointing out, as I said, Justin Thomas switched into a new Scotty Cameron Phantom X prototype putter. Uh, pretty similar to the mount that he was using, but the big change is that he went with a knuckle neck. The knuckle is very similar to the kind of, what are, what are, some people call it an L neck, some people call it a plumber's neck. The, the pretty standard neck you'd find on like an answer style blade, JT's used uh, a Newport 2 for years until he started using the, the Phantom Putter. So it looks like he's maybe trying to kind of blend a little bit of best of both worlds with that knuckle neck and the mallet shape. It's, it's got a little bit less toe hang, I was told, by Drew Page, who's uh, Scotty Cameron's tour rep compared to the previous mount that he was using. So a little bit of a change there. Tursky also pointed out that uh, JT had a Titleist T200 two iron, and we'll talk about that a little bit later because we have Cam Davis on the pod this week, recent Rock and Mortgage Classic winner. He had a T200 two iron in the bag when he won in Detroit. So uh, get a little bit of insight from him on the differences between the upcoming version that's out on tour right now, but not at retail in the current retail model. Um, Tursky, any other changes that you think are worth pointing out? Spieth maybe? Uh, yeah, 
Jordan Spieth switching up irons, going into the new T100s. Um, I think it's interesting that last time the T100s came out, Spieth also switched in the new set at the Open. And I was trying to think in my I brain why, you found that out. why he's choosing the Open to put in new iron sets. Maybe it's because like there's a degree of you know variability out at the Open, and it's kind of a good way to ease into a new iron set where it's not like you're playing in the same conditions that you usually are and you're really dialing in those yardages. It kind of gives you that buffer. I don't know. I might just be making stuff up, but he is switching. He is switching. Sounds believable. New T100 irons. Uh, He's also testing a T202 iron. Uh, I heard from a Titleist rep that it has an orange shaft in it, which I can only assume would be a graphite design ADDI. Probably a 95 hybrid. Yeah, same shaft he's been using. So pretty interesting stuff from Spieth there. If you're picking Spieth, yeah. keep that in mind. He's got new irons in the bag. For, for I, I better feel or like worse, I'm not guys sure. Guys that follow us, I feel like guys that follow us on social, a lot of them are, are daily fantasy guys for sure. Ones that just kind of want to keep track of, of the gear changes. I, I don't blame them. You know, you want to try and take into account all the variables. Um, you know, but yeah, changing irons the week of a major is always, I, you know, I feel like is a little bit risky. Another change I think that was interesting that you highlighted on golf.com Turski was, was Adam Scott yep. making major wholesale changes, changes yep. throughout the bag. Yeah. So we talked about him at the U S open. He went with a four fairway or a four metal wood setup. He had driver three wood, four wood, seven wood. Now at the open, he's getting rid of the four wood and the seven wood throwing in a three iron and a driving iron instead. He's also rearranging his wedge setup and he changed his driver as well. So he was in the TSI two TSI four. Now he's going back to the yeah. TSI four, which he played at the beginning of the year. And he's not going back to the auto flex shaft though. He's going all the way back to the graphite design tour ADDI that he used in his driver at the 2013 masters when he won. So going back to his comfort zone, switching things all the way up. So that'll be interesting to watch, see how he handles this event with the new geek. Chris, those are some pretty big changes for a guy. I mean, big somebody changes. who's going from TSI 2. Yeah, that's, that's a totally different animal TSI there. Four. I mean, those those are like two completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Even just the yeah. way they look. Yeah, can you Not talk a little bit about the shape of the head, yeah. the characteristics of the head. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, no, just, I just, just talk just a little bit about the, the shape of the head. The character characteristics of the head are totally different. You have TSI 2, which is going to be that low back CG higher MOI, easier to launch, much more forgiving. And then opposite end of the spectrum, you go TSI four. I mean, this thing is weight low forward. It's going to be much more fade bias, way less forgiving. I mean, the profile of the headed address just looks totally different. I mean, visually it, it doesn't even look like it's in the same driver family. How would you describe yeah. the shaft term, profile terms, of the the DI, DI shaft? Obviously, a pretty popular shaft, but it's got to be way different than like the Ventus Red or I mean, the, the Auto the DI is, that he's been playing is throughout this year, right? I mean, you've seen that thing for years and years and years and years. Guys, put it in, take it out, put it in, take. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's Tiger Woods popularized, and it. then the DI have been just Heard blown him. up from Tiger putting them in play. But the uh, 
yeah, that DI, like I said, just a, a benchmark shaft for so many guys. And I think he's going back to something that's more comfortable for sure. And definitely a much different profile than the, uh, than the old auto flex that he was, he was tinkering with there for a little bit. Yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot of uh, profiles within that within that like tour AD family family um, from Graphite Design, but by far the the ADDI is I don't I hate calling it the cheeseburger, but it's definitely kind of that shaft where if you're going to see one particular model out on tour, we've seen Hideki use ADDI a bunch. It it seems to kind of be the one that that fits a wider range of pros. You know, some of those other profiles are, are very much like a, you know, stip or tiff, uh, stip, stiff or tip, man, I can't talk today, uh, for a lower launch. Woo, man, I know. <laughs> and uh, it's it just, again, that the ADDI is, is one that you're going to see a lot out on tour. The the orange is pretty unmistakable. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely one you're going to see in speed spag. I don't, I don't think you'll ever nope, pull it I agree with that. Young. I think that one's going to be going to be there to stay for quite some time. Yeah. So those are some of the big changes. I'm sure there's going to be a couple that'll sneak up on us as the week goes on. Um, one of the, I guess the beauty of the open championship from a gear perspective is, you know, Turski and I aren't out there. Turski was at, at Tory for the U S open, but, but we usually don't go over to the open championship. We need to change that by the way. I know. And, uh, and, and get over there. But next time it's in Ireland. We're, hey, we were talking about a vacation yesterday for the fully equipped crew. Um, you know, Ireland, Ireland's a beautiful place. We'll leave the details out of that. But, um, you know, I do want to bring up something that absolutely crushed my soul listening to you guys interview Cam Davis okay. yesterday. And that is the fact that he made the steps after getting married uh, less than six months ago to start his green card process and had to turn down an open championship invite to stay in Seattle so that he could become a real American. It's, it is, it is brutal. I mean, I don't know how many people know that. Um, it, it is one of those stories that you're like, geez, you know, a guy, a guy starts the process to get his green card, never really knowing that doing that is going to end up leading to not being able to go play in the open championship. It's, it's tough. He's a great talent. Um, the interview with cam was actually really good. Uh, and I think it's, it's one that everybody else is going to enjoy. We got into his gear T 200 from Titleist, uh, a little bit about his testing process, even can hear his dog barking in the background. We, we were really hoping his pup was going to make an appearance, but unfortunately not, but a uh, great interview. Let's get to cam. This episode of Fully Equipped is brought to you by Mira Golf. Since 1957, the Mira family has been making the world's finest forged golf clubs. Under the watchful eye of master craftsman Katsuhiro Mira, each club is handcrafted using patented Mira 14-step forging process. But it's more than crafting flawless golf equipment. The Mira family's relentless pursuit of perfection means each and every club is manufactured to the highest standards. The family's patience and unique forging process ensures the grain of the steel is fine and uniformed leading to a feel unlike anything else, the Mira Feel. Now you have the opportunity to capture the Mira Feel with an exclusive offer available to fully equipped listeners. That's 10% off site-wide on MiraGolf.com 
using promo code FE10 through the end of August. Head over to MuirGolf.com to build your set today and discover perfection from true craftsmen. All right, well, our guest this week is coming off his first PGA Tour win a few weeks ago in Detroit at the Rocket Mortgage Classic and a five-hole playoff thriller. Cam Davis, thanks for joining us on Fully Equipped. That's good to be here. Thanks, guys. So I, I got to ask you, has the win finally sunk in yet? I mean, and have you ever been a part of a playoff that's lasted at least five holes to determine a winner? It's uh, it's definitely sinking in. I was actually starting to get pretty tired uh, last week while I was out in the course. It was like last week was a really big week, and uh, backing that up was uh, it was tough work. But uh, now that I'm home, I'm definitely going to make some time to celebrate with uh, friends and family. What yeah. what was what was it like after the win? Because I heard the stories. I heard you you were crushing five guys at like 11 p.m. <laughs> watching a replay of your win. And then your flight gets delayed and you got to drive seven hours. I mean, that, that sounds like the least ideal way to be celebrating your, uh, your first PGA tour victory. No, I, uh, at the, at that point, anything could have happened and I would have been okay with it. I, um, <laughs> yeah, by the time I got back to the, back to the hotel, nothing was open on 4th of July. Uh, so it was like 10 30 getting close to 11 PM and my caddy Andrew's driving around the streets, sending me messages saying nothing's open. So, uh, <laughs> the one thing that was was five guys so we smashed that and um yeah then we saw that my flight out of uh, detroit had been delayed like 10 hours or something and we weren't going to make the connection obviously so yeah. my caddy was driving so we all hopped up in the car with him and uh, and drove on over so i would say it was a little less rest early the following week than i would have liked but um i was i was still on a pretty good high at that point i was exhausted but i was on a high i sat up till like 2 30 the, the morning that we uh finished um the morning that we finished i, I watched the uh, rerun of the tournament and just tried to live it all through again so i probably uh, cut I my sleep it. a little bit a little bit but um yeah it was it was cool <laughs> it was a fun experience i love it yeah so I know you added a new Titles T200 2-iron to the bag in Detroit, and, and I'd heard that you have a T103 iron as well now that you're going to be using depending on the course. Firstly, what was testing like with the T200, and how do you kind of determine which one you're going to use from week to week? Um, the, well, the T200 and T100, uh, they both were – the first time I saw them was Tuesday of the tournament. Um the changes that they made to the look of the head, I really liked a little bit thinner. The offset was a little bit less closer to the rest of the rest of the irons in, in the bag for me. I've got the MBs um, and they did take away a little bit of that offset a little while ago. So I really liked how the set kind of blended in nicely into the longer clubs there. Um, and then on the range, the numbers were just pretty much exactly what we're looking for straight away. The, the shaft and head setup was just perfect for the exact number that I have a hard time feeling, which is for me, I'm in meters, but being able to hit a shot between 210 and 230 for me is, is the really hard one for me to find because it's really hard to find a club that really fits all the flight and all the different options that you want to have in that range, be able to run one off the tee, get a little bit extra out of it, be able to hit it really high without having to hit a big cut which is something that I've had trouble with in the past is always been able to get high enough that sometimes the only way to get high enough is to hit a fade. And sometimes you won't be able to hit a high draw. And um, yeah, straight away, it just felt like that profile and the feel and the distance that I was getting from that T200 was just perfect and put it straight in the bag and uh, use it in the playoff and hit that 
high draw shot that I actually struggled with a little bit that. using the uh, well, that that just all kind of came together so nice. It was great to hit a shot like that when it mattered with a brand new club because I trusted it straight away. Yeah. How stressful are those playoffs when you're playing in them? Like, you know, for us as fans, five holes, we're on the edge of our seats the whole time, but I can't imagine what playing in them is like. Can you kind of give us an idea? Well, it, it to me, it just reminded me of the match play events that I played as an amateur. I mean, I haven't played, I haven't been in a playoff since I was an amateur. Um, I haven't experienced the one-on-one sort of do or die sort of mindset for you know it feels like almost seven eight nine years now so i uh i it just brought in brought out the kid in me again i just remember my mindset i always felt like i was good at it match play it was the uh, <clears throat> the idea of they could hit a an amazing shot at any point and you've got to be ready for it and regardless of what they do you need to focus and hit the best shot you possibly can on this one and every hole just feels like its own little match and for some reason my comfort level in that situation is is very high i think playing in regulation is more stressful than a playoff for me because i just know i've just got to hit a really good shot and if it doesn't come off then it could be all over but um for some reason yeah i don't know exactly what it is i just feel really comfortable in that environment so i knew i was hitting them really well um obviously i made a good putt to get into the playoffs so i wasn't that concerned about the putting at that point but um i just yeah, kept it. Yeah, one all the old sayings of one shot at a time and staying calm and all present and all that sort of stuff. It makes a big difference if you're actually able to think like that when you're in the heat of the moment because it does make a big difference in calming you down so you can focus on the next one. And uh, yeah, tee to green, I didn't feel like I missed a shot because I felt like I was able to stay in that headspace. When you are coming down the stretch, like say it's the 70th hole of the tournament, like what's your swing thought? Are you still working on your swing or are you kind of just letting it go at that point and trusting the work that you've done in preparation? If you're near the lead, you're obviously playing really well. Um, it's just a matter of just continuing to do the same things over and over and over again. And obviously they've worked well to that point. It's You just got to be able to not get ahead of yourself because it's the forward thinking or the backwards thinking that kind of leads you to feeling like you need to maybe change something maybe go for a little bit more or like you, you just need to be really really present what does this shot actually require right now and um and then be able to put the same swing feels it might just be one one thought that you've been using and a lot of times that's for me the idea of not actually going after it too much you just want to just keep the tempo really nice and smooth and you know the timing from the top of the swing don't get too quick with that so it's just a it's a little, it's a feel for me. I don't really like technical thoughts. I like just a feel thought. So I just want it to feel like this and then just repeat that over and over again. And um, so, yeah, at that point, yeah, it's working really well. Obviously you just need to keep pushing, just keep going all the way and just try and get those last few holes in with those same thoughts. And uh, hopefully you can still hit good quality shots with those last couple ones. Was this like one of your major career goals all along? I mean, you've had a very accomplished amateur career, but when in that mm. PGA Tour event, was that something you had uh, had on your bucket list? Oh, for sure. Yeah, ever since ever since I knew that this was the the big tour in the world, I I wanted to be successful on it. I came, I came as soon as I turned pro, I came straight over here trying to work my way onto this tour and uh, to win is yeah something that I've really worked hard for. It was I've kind of feel like I've moved up a step every year and uh, this year I guess was the 
year that I feel like my game's the closest it's been to feeling like I can stand up to four rounds in a PGA Tour event and uh, and get over the line. And it's just it's so nice to see that uh, the work that I've put in actually can lead to winning out here because up until this point I've been close only a couple of times so I never really put it all together so it was it was very satisfying to to get over the line know that yeah my blueprint for what I've got right now is good enough to win tournaments so I can keep doing that and keep improving on it and hopefully it leads to more what's what's something you've learned about your own golf equipment maybe it's your testing process or how you dial in your bag setup that you didn't know prior to turning professional um, well, I've never really been uh, like super deep into my equipment. I've always had the pro- the idea of I'll go get fitted. I'll go to people who really know what they're doing, and um, I'll tell them, you know, I, I'm after with this particular club. I want this sort of flight, and maybe maybe spin rate is something that I've had a little bit of an awareness of, just with the driver or with the wedges. But um, Outside of that, it's pretty much, I just want it to fly like this and feel comfortable being able to hit this particular shot and then let them work it all through from there. So ever since I was an amateur, that's been my process. So that really hasn't changed. The, the thing that has changed being out in tour is just how much access you have to that. Every single week, if you've got a niggling thing that you need to work on, there's always someone there rather than having to travel across the country or over across the world to be able to find the right person they're all there so <laughs> that's um that's been the one thing that's changed i've just done it more often now but uh, it used to be a, um, maybe once every couple of years and i just stick with the same equipment as an amateur as a pro there's just constant updates look through everything make sure it's all good um not every single week if maybe once a month we just check through and make sure everything's still looking good but um in terms of changing equipment, I still don't change things that often, but when they do roll around with something new, that's a replacement for a particular club. I'll get and have a look at that. And if that's straight away an improvement uh, it, on the club that I originally had, then straighten the bag. And Titleist has been really good at that, especially over the last few years, the improvements they've made in a lot of the clubs that I'm using now from where they, when they were a couple of years ago, has been awesome. So I'm seeing a lot of good results because of that. So. When did you get on board with Titleist? When did you become a full staffer? Um, full staffer. Well, I mean, as a junior, I was using pretty much all their equipment from probably about 50, the age of fifteen onwards. Um, once I started kind of moving way up, way up a little bit in the um, in the amateur game in Australia, um, Adam Scott at the time was actually like really kicking off. He was doing super well, and he was a lot of guys' idols. He was one of my idols growing up as well, and Titleist all the way through the bag is that you want to be like him. So he definitely have him to thank for, for me kind of getting on board with Titleist and really, really enjoying the stuff. I always love the Scotty Cameron putter. I always love the shape of the driver. Um, the blades have always, like the blade irons have always been something that I've really enjoyed. And I've actually, the fairway woods have always been so long. I, there was the club that I, I really enjoyed using as a kid to try and hit past other guys' drivers because I had a really hot Titleist three wood and, um, that's just, yeah, it's just all evolved from there, but it's been pretty much a full Titleist bag since 15 or 16. I know you play a when prototype was... putter now. Have you, uh, have you worked with Scotty himself on that putter? Um, the, the putter that I used to win the uh, tournament was actually the first one I ever, the first one I got from the Scotty studio when I was about 17 years old. The first time I came over to the States or maybe I was 18 at that point. Um, I went over, had a look at all the putters on the wall. Um, 
sorry that's my dog um <laughs> we um yeah i put together a putter that i thought i really like the look of and um yeah that's actually that's actually i've used that to win two of my three professional events but it was actually in the garage for quite some time and uh we <laughs> i decided to bring it out after a little bit of a break and it was nice to see the old the old shape of the one that i really liked and the feel of it and it was really cool. I got the chrome finish because all the putters I saw in the uh, Scotty studio there, the, the ones in the case, they're all shiny. I'm like, dude, that looks so cool. So <laughs> I'd love something like that. So, um, yeah, but I've always loved that shape of putter and that feel of putter was just so nice. And that was something that I've wanted since I was a kid. I'm, I'm curious. Pros get usually whatever they want. Usually it's, it's, it's gratis, especially when you're on, on tour staff. When was the last time you paid for golf equipment? Last time I paid for golf equipment. Oh man. Um, I was still paying for it, uh, towards the end of my amateur career. I was uh, still, uh, was still having to you know fork out a little bit for the clubs, but I really didn't change them very much. So I would get something and hold on to it for a long time. So I didn't do very much of that. I would get something I really liked and then uh, and then I would just stick with it until uh, it broke or uh, it was the grooves are so worn out that it just wouldn't work anymore. But um, I've always been that way. I, I never really liked tinkering. I just stick with something and, uh, and go with it until it uh, kind of breaks down. That's changed a little bit now. You can't really afford to do that until you need things working <laughs> at their uh, highest capacity. <laughs> So, so after winning, I know you uh, play. Oh, go ahead. No, sorry. I was just gonna say I, I know you play the titles Pro V1X ball. Have you have you always played the the V1X version? And what what's ball testing look like for you? Um, I have actually, yeah. Ever since I started using a premium golf ball, uh, ever since I upgraded from the the ones that you get for a couple of bucks in the uh, pro shop, um, it's always been the X. I've always like the the spin um, characteristics for me and the flight that I got with that is just always been my favorite. Um, and that's stayed consistent all the way through from when I started using it when I was yeah about 15 or 16 all the way through to now. I have tried testing balls a couple of times, but to be honest, I've been so comfortable with the X that I've never felt much need to change. Um, sure, like there's plenty of options out there with Titleist. They've got so many different kinds of spins and variations of each ball. Um, but I've never really tested it to the point where I felt like anything was the same or better than uh, than what I've been using. So it's it's just been the X all the way along. So you won the uh, won the Rocket Mortgage. You played in the John Deere, but you're not making the trip over to the Open, right? Even though you're qualified, what kind of went into that decision to not go? Over? Uh, that was a, that was a visa situation. Um, I I got married in September last year, and uh, I put forward the uh, process. I started the process of getting a green card, and um, unfortunately, uh, that was less than six months ago. And it takes six months until you can get the travel documents to be able to travel while they're processing it. So it was a little bit last minute. Oh no, I would have been so cool to go over, but really it's, it's just not going to happen. There's a lot of hoops that you need to jump through if you want to try and figure something out. And I don't even know if it would have been possible in the end anyway, but, um, and based on the energy levels last week, doing a, a quick flight across the, uh, across the ocean there to, to the open and trying to get myself together for a major feeling as run down kind of as low as I was. I'm, I'm not too unhappy being, being home with the family and uh, being able to take some time to celebrate. Cause I really didn't have any time, any chance to celebrate the win 
at all straight onto the next event and it could have been straight onto the open as well uh, i would have loved to have been there but unfortunately uh, it just wasn't it wasn't going to happen what was your favorite golf club growing up as a kid favorite golf club uh, well, i've always loved the driver i've never been a straight driver with the ball but i always loved hitting it really hard um to be honest um any any iron uh, in the backyard uh, back home i i used to hit you know, the nine iron or a six iron. I, I had a nine iron and I would just, I had a tree in the yard and I would just try and bend the ball through the branches of the tree and try and hit all the way through it without touching anything. I've always really enjoyed the creative side of, of golf. And I feel like you've got the most creativity when it comes to the irons, just with the different flights you can get. Um, yeah, it's probably been that I had this really old nine iron that I just used for like, it was just in the yard. And that was the club I picked up every time I went out there for like 10 years. So, I would say, yeah, that would that would be it. I just love the creativity side of it. So, put me in the trees; it gets my uh, <laughs> brain running. Yeah. You've played uh, pretty globally, playing on some different tours, uh, traveled the world playing golf. So you have a pretty unique perspective on golf courses. What would you say are like your top five courses in the world? Top five. Well, put right on the spot. Yeah, right on the spot. Um, <laughs> I mean, I love the Sandbelt courses in Melbourne so much. You know, Kingston Heath and Royal Melbourne have got to be almost one and two for me. I, I just love I just love everything about them. It's just so unique having to land the wedge 20 yards short of the green with no wind and still not being enough to stop it sometimes. So um, I really enjoyed that. Pebble Beach for me is, is just such a special place. Um, every year, even though the weather hasn't been so great all the time, um, early in the year when we go and play that event, I just can't get over how how cool that place is. I would love to play an open there one day to see it fit really firm and fast. But, um, geez, I really enjoy playing um, Sahali and Aldera up here in Seattle. Um, they're the two courses that I've joined up here that um, that I go out and practice at. And they're both, uh, Sahali is, just, is so intimidating off the tee if you haven't been there before um you yeah. know how, how tight trees the trees everywhere are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a difference between a tight tree line of 50 foot high trees and the tight tree line of 100 foot tall trees i mean it, it does make a difference when you know you can't go over them but um i've seen those in my nightmares by the way those trees <laughs> in that that shoot uh, that's that's definitely yeah. straight out of my nightmares <laughs> yeah no to be honest the longer you play there the more you realize that the branches all kind of angle outwards towards the fairway a little bit you just hit driver and if it just clips the trees it usually spits it out so i um but when they grow the rough deep there you you have to be in the fairway and uh you end up going for irons instead of drives off the tee but um other than that i mean there's just so many strong courses over here um on tour we play all the all the best courses around the country in the best shape at that point onwards it's so hard to pick pick one there's a few that have stood out that I've said, but after that, there's like 20 or 30 that I've played out here that just can't get over how good they are when we play them in a tournament. Last question for me. What's what's one tip you'd give amateur golfers when it comes to optimizing their own equipment setup? Go and, go and see a professional. <laughs> that's, that's all I can say. I've never been one to really know my equipment super well, and I don't trust myself with it to find the right fit. So I need to go to someone... Who knows what they're doing like the local pga pro or a club fitter or someone like that there that's what they're there for so i i rely completely on them 
So I feel like everyone should, if unless you uh, unless you know it inside out, it's uh, that's the best way to go. Well said. It's awesome. Yeah, it's what we preach Cam, around here. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely do. We definitely do. Cam, congrats again on the win, and thanks again for joining us. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, guys. See you, Cam. And huge shout out to Cam Davis for joining us on this week's interview. If you're looking for more from us, follow us. We're at fully equipped golf on Instagram and at fully underscore equipped on Twitter. Tune in next week. We got Alice Cooper for episode 100. We'll see you then.